Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Today's topic is coping with your child's illness. Throughout the years, as I have served at many large congregational churches, I have had friends and colleagues who have struggled with illness, cancer, or disease, or have had family members and children who have struggled with them. It was never easy to have someone come in and say their daughter had delivered a baby with heart complications, or a family found out that their 11-year-old son was diagnosed with dyslexia. But it certainly was difficult to know how to respond and then how to help when someone would tell us their child had cancer and they only had a short while to live, or a genetic disorder, like cystic fibrosis. As a Christian leader, it was hard to know how to bring comfort when parents would ask, why their child? It was hard to deliver encouragement when we didn't know all of the details around the illness and we didn't know what the parents were really going through. Sure, I remember saying to people, let me pray with you, or I'm so sorry you're going through this. But truthfully, I really didn't get it, not to the fullest extent, because I don't live with people that are sick like that, and I don't really totally fully understand every single disorder or disease. I remember the first time I learned about a young girl in our church who had cancer. I just think back and I think how incredibly strong her mother was. Day after day, she drove her to those doctor's appointments at the Mayo. Mile after mile, they'd drive day in and day out, they'd hope. And life brought incredible expenses, medical bills, and great fatigue. The church rallied around them, but as time went by, I remember her mom telling me that after a while, people just stopped helping. They were burdened with their own troubles and they were tired out always expecting someone else to come forward with a meal or an offer to do laundry or a check for trips to the doctor. But someone else didn't show up. My prayer seemed to surround that mom for a few moments, but I couldn't take the realities away. As much as I didn't want her daughter to be ill, I couldn't remove the truth. I did what I could do. The church did what we knew how to do, but I think the real important lesson for all of us is to ask ourselves and each other, how can we help? What can we do? What's enough and what needs to be done? What are we responsible for? A short year ago, my son-in-law was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. It was tough and scary. My daughter was a rock. When I asked her how she could be so strong, she responded, someone has to be. My son-in-law Josh was good until reality set in and he realized as a 30-something he had cancer. They made their trips to Mayo. The other grandma and I helped babysit. They had extra expenses that, you know, really were painful. They took time away from their jobs and then it got really tricky. Josh had to have radiation and that meant he would be separated from my daughter and his sons. For one entire week, which he says seemed like eternity, he lived in his parents' basement without touching anyone or having any contact so as not to have the radiation spill over onto them. And then for another three weeks, he couldn't touch his family. It was tough. There was a lot of crying happening. There was a lot of, why me? Balancing a body, spirit, mind out after a thyroid has been removed was really tricky at best. 
When I asked my child about the process, she said it was horrible, but the cancer was removed and he had a clean bill of health. You know how he found out something was wrong? His chiropractor said to him one day after an adjustment, something isn't right about your neck, Josh. It doesn't look right. You need to be checked out for cancer. Josh had no other symptoms and didn't notice anything was wrong at all. But Alexis, my daughter, told me something so important. She said, Mom, this was an awful experience, but I feel terrible for people who live with diseases and illnesses every single day, the ones where there are no cures. What can you and I do to help others whose families are in the midst of health struggles? Other than offering prayers, what can we do? Well, I think that helping them starts with understanding them. Well, it's my privilege today to introduce author, blogger, and motivational speaker Leanne Waterworth. Leanne is the mother of three beautiful children, two of which have cystic fibrosis. Leanne, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Kathy. I'm so excited that you're here and that you're going to talk with us about this difficult situation, raising children that have an illness. Now, I know you're a great mommy because I love your blogs. I've talked to you even today where you said it was a very joy-filled day to be able to go and spend time with your kids. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about the fact that two of your children have cystic fibrosis. And I think a lot of people out there hear it, they understand it's something that, you know, is is Mm -hmm. kind of difficult, but they don't really know much about it. So can you start by telling us a little bit more about this disease? Absolutely. You know, when cystic fibrosis became a part of our lives, we had to take a crash course in, in learning about it. It's a rare and multifaceted disease. Our our children even had to practice saying it, cystic fibrosis, but we learned to call it CF for short. CF is a genetic life-threatening disease currently with no cure, and it primarily affects the lungs and digestive system. So in a person with CF, they have a defective gene that creates this extra thick, sticky mucus, which tends to clog organs like the lungs and the pancreas, and it makes it difficult for them to breathe and digest their food. Okay, so when you talk about this, the thing that stuck out to me was when you said the reality that right now there is no cure. So when people are raising funds for CF and people are working hard for that, we're looking for, just like cancer or Alzheimer's, a a cure for this. Is that right? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you ever yep, feel that's right. Do you ever feel discouraged? I mean, is that ever something that, you know, is looming over you or have you learned to, you know, stretch your faith with it or how are you dealing with that? Yeah, you know, doctors and scientists have come a long way when it comes to cystic fibrosis. 50 years ago, if your child was diagnosed with CF, they weren't expected to live to attend kindergarten. Mm. But today, thanks to innovative medications and and new therapies, the average life expectancy is 40 years old. Um, Now I'll confess, I just turned 40 last month, and I don't feel very old. Mm -hmm. But our hope is that, you know, our children will outlive us, right? But with CF and, you know, with life in general, we aren't promised this. Sure. So our family has an eternal perspective, and our prayer is that God will use each one of us 
in the time we are given, whether that's, you know, 40 years or 80 years or Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. Wonderful. So describe, Leanne, what a typical day looks for you. What does it look like in the life of a mom who has the kiddos with this disease and kind of just, you know, bring us along into your world so we get a little glimpse because we get up every day, you know, the average person and, you know, we do all these things. We don't think about what it would be like to have this in our families and you have two little kiddos with it. So what's a regular day look like? Yeah, that's a good question. I I tend to define our life as before CF and after. Um, before our boys were diagnosed, we had, you know, the typical school mornings where kids are, uh, you know, they've got bedhead, they're reluctant to get dressed or eat breakfast and, and head off to school or their, you know, activities. But after CF, we now add in 30-minute breathing treatments for each boy right away in the morning. They use a vest, airway clearance system, and it's it's like a piece of clothing that they put on like a vest and wear it, and it fills with air and compresses their lungs thousands of times a minute. And it literally will shake the mucus from their lungs so that eventually they can cough it out. Okay. And so this is how we start our day. Um, the vesting is done in conjunction with nebulizers, inhalers, sinus rinses, and numerous pills to swallow. And this routine is, is something they do even when they're feeling good, when they're healthy. Um, they repeat this routine in the evening. You know, we do it all over again. And like I said, this is when they're healthy. But when the boys are sick, these treatments increase. So I like to say that it's, it's hard work to live with CF, but as I mentioned before, the advancements in therapies and medications is is working to extend that life expectancy. So when did you find out that your children, and is it two boys? Because I know you have three three kids, right? Correct. I have boy, girl, boy. Okay. So And it's the two boys that have cystic fibrosis. Okay. And when did you find out that the boys had that? Are they your children? Are they adopted? The, the children are all ours. And typically with CF, it's diagnosed in early childhood or infancy. So our case is kind of rare. Our boys were diagnosed when they were age 6 and 11, and this is because their mutations, their form of CF is so rare. It, it actually didn't even come up on the newborn screening. And so we, we had to search for a while to figure out why, you know, why was our son so sick all the time? Hmm. So this occurred um, just a few years ago when they were age 6 and 11. Okay. And your youngest son, I, I know from reading your blog, um, was... It was just kind of a sad story there because you said that you guys were at an accident and then he mm-hmm. suffered from PTSD. And I'm just wondering, I mean, how, how hard? Because you've already got CF and now you've got this. Um, what kind of symptoms did he have that allowed you to know he was dealing with this, you know, something that's so serious? And, and then what did you do to help him get better? Because I read that he's doing better. Yeah, so... It's a long story, but to make it short, um, just after our boys were diagnosed with CF, a friend actually gifted our family with a vacation to a dude ranch in Montana so that we could spend some time together, create some memories. 
And while we were on this trip, my seven-year-old son, he was seven at the time, um, we were involved in a traumatic van crash where a ranch staff member suddenly died at the wheel and left our vehicle to tumble down a ravine, land upside down in a creek, and all the seven passengers, you know, we were injured and and our driver was deceased. Um, So we're just, we're stranded in this remote area in Montana, and I had to run for help, leaving my son at the scene. But as the months went on, our son, who is typically just um, confident and happy-go-lucky, he began to pull away from normal activities and just experience this uncharacteristic separation anxiety. He couldn't sleep. He had bad dreams. And he just, he was turning into a fearful, paranoid person. Hmm. We brought him to see a counselor at our local hospital, and she diagnosed him with PTSD. Today, Hmm. two and a half years after the accident, I can say our son is healthy. Once again, he's off medication and therapy. But at this time, we are thankful that we have our confident, you know, active little boy back. Oh, how wonderful. That's that's that's, our story with that. Well, you know, it has a good ending. It's a very odd story, Leanne. I'm so sorry that you guys went through that and praise God that you're alive and okay and that he's, you know, been the restorer to do some healing. You recently published a new book. I'm so excited for you called Just Breathe, Choosing Joy, One Breath at a Time. What a great title. Tell our listeners a little bit about the premise behind this book. Just Breathe is a memoir, and it documents all of the extraordinary ups and downs um, and miracles that our family has experienced over the last three years, from cystic fibrosis to the van crash and PTSD, and even a divine meeting during a Make-A-Wish trip to Hawaii. It's just an incredible story, and I felt led to share my story through a book for three reasons. One, I wanted to give honor to God for His constant love and faithfulness. You know, during these difficult experiences, I can honestly say I've never felt closer to the Lord than I did during those really difficult times. And so I just want to honor Him with our story. And then number two, I want to recognize the many friends, family, and community members that supported us um, through those ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are just so blessed to live where we do in a wonderful community. And then lastly, I wanted to bring awareness to CF and other organizations that supported us, like Make-A-Wish, Hope Kids, and the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So listeners, Leanne is a blogger, and you can find her blog at Leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E, Waterworth, all one word together there, dot com. Leanne's blogs are down to earth and encouraging, and you can get more of a feel of writing, as she's told us a little bit about some of the CF issues and, and this van story. But I personally loved a blog that I read the other night by her, and it's a story of her as a mom just, you know, figuring out everyday life, how she's going to discipline, learning the golden rule and, you know, teaching it to her kids through the use of gummy worms. So Leanne, tell our (laughs) listeners a little bit about how that worked. I love the big picture or the big bowl of gummy worms. Tell us what happened with your kids and and how that whole lesson unfolded. 
Sure, yeah. You know, my kids provide me with great material for writing. <laughs> um, they're not perfect. They are ages 10, 12, and 14. I tell people my kids are best friends and worst enemies, you know. And on one day, one day on the ride home from school, they were definitely acting like worst enemies. I had to pull over my minivan because of all the bickering, poking, and eventually kicking that was happening in the back seat. So I gave the kids one of my, you know, classic mom speeches. You guys, you need to treat people the way you want to be treated. And... Of course, I received blank stares and crossed arms from the kids. So I put my van in drive once again and just prayed, God, give me wisdom. Give me a way to reach my children so that they understand how you want them to treat each other. So that evening, um, I was making dinner, and the idea just hit me. Gummy worms. I need gummy worms. (laughs) So I literally dropped my spatula and jumped into the van and headed to the store, and I purchased four big bags of gummy worms, sour gummy bears, and gummy watermelons, um, all my kids' favorite. And as our family sat down to supper that night, the only food I put out on the table was a gigantic bowl of beautiful, delicious gummy candy. And their eyes were huge, as I told them okay, I want you to dish out a portion for the sibling on your right. Now, naturally, they were still annoyed with one or one another uh, from that afternoon. My oldest son, he scoops out two measly worms for his sister. And my daughter, she serves up a very small amount for her little brother. And, you know, it continued this way around the table. And then I explained, The food you dished out is actually not for your sibling on the right. It's for you. And you should have seen their faces, you know, the mouths drop. Yes. (laughs) And my youngest wisely caught on. If I would have known that, I would have dished out a whole bunch of worms. Exactly. (laughs) And I, I went on to explain the golden rule for the hundredth time, but I believe that it finally clicked that night, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. This is, right. this is God's design for relationships, mm. to put people before yourself. So exactly. I think they finally got it, but what I would like great... to say oh, I great. ended up serving beef stroganoff for dinner. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. What an incredibly great way to teach a lesson. Well, friends, as I think about this topic and how hard it must be, I am encouraged by the scripture that tells us the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. And that's taken from Psalm 28, 7 and 8. Sometimes it's just that cry, that cry out to God that says, I'm here and I want to be faithful in everything. And it's really difficult. God, I need you to show up, to guide me, to help me, to encourage me. Kind of what Leanne just said that she knew that God was there, God was with her on the journeys that she's had. And God provides for us, even if all we have is just a small pocket full of faith, not a boatload, just a small pocket full. So let's take a listen to this song by Tim Hughes called Pocket Full of Faith, and we'll be back in just a moment with Leanne Waterworth. I don't want to get 
So friends, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, and we're talking today about the struggles that people experience with illness and diseases and how they cope. 
And so I just want to close this episode here with the interview, talking with Leanne, and just want to kind of ask her, with somebody that's looking from the outside in, um, you know, I don't have a family member with this kind of a disease, and it sounds like it's a real challenge even each and every day. And I just want to know, what would you tell other people who are struggling with children or family members with a big, hard disease like you guys have? What would you say to encourage them today? For me, personally, I can get caught up in the worry and fear regarding the future. And what has helped me tremendously is to just focus on today. If I start thinking about my boy's specifically, and what they may face with cystic fibrosis and all the what-ifs involved, I get anxious. But God has taught me to stay with today, be thankful for this day, Mm. because tomorrow isn't promised for any of us. That's right. And we just, we can't predict the future, but by being present in the present, I won't waste my thoughts or energy on Mm -hmm. worrying about what might or might not happen, and a scripture that has given me um, comfort is Matthew six thirty four. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It's so true, isn't it true, Leanne? Every day has its mm-hmm. own problem, so why borrow from tomorrow more issues? Well, I am so grateful that you're here, and again, we just want to let people know that if they want to check out your blog, it's you, you want to tell them where they can find it and where they can find your book. Yeah, my website is leannewaterworth.com, and the book Just Breathe, you can purchase it from the website, and it's also available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. All right. Thank you so much for being here and for chatting with us today, Leanne Waterworth. Friends, what does the Bible tell us about being compassionate towards others? At times we can think it's hard to be compassionate because maybe we're having our own boatloads of troubles. Or maybe we feel overwhelmed with our busy schedule and we think we have no time to help others. Perhaps you think, I need help myself. Whatever your lot in life, we need to help people. We need to help and look around, and God always provides ways for us to do that. In Scripture, the word compassion in the Bible means to have mercy, to feel sympathy, to have pity. Scripture tells us that God is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's from Psalm 86.15. God's compassion is infinite and never-ending. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says, His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, exemplified all of God's attributes, including compassion. Here's just a few of my favorite examples of Jesus' compassion towards other people. First of all, he had compassion for his friends. Jesus saw his friends weeping at the grave of Lazarus, and he felt compassion for them, and he even wept with them. Secondly, compassion for the sick. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick, according to Matthew 14. Thirdly, compassion for the blind. Matthew 20, 34 says Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Fourthly, compassion for a leper. In Mark 1, it's a story of a man with leprosy who came and begged Jesus for help. And he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
and filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. Fifth, compassion for the sinner. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It just shows us over and over in Scripture that Jesus had compassion for others, compassion for those around him who were sick, who were wounded, who were hurting, who felt unloved, who were troubled. That's what it means to be Christ-like. How far will you and I go in life to be kind and compassionate to others, to be compassionate to the aged, to be sympathetic with those who are traveling through life and and are troubled. Because sometimes in life, we find out that we need help. What are you going to do to be compassionate this week? How are you going to help in a way that only you can help? Perhaps it's not how you'd like to help because maybe you don't have time or money or the ability to do what you want, but is there something you can do? Help is crucial. We saw that Christ had great compassion on those around him. He acted on it. Friends, compassion is sympathy for the suffering of others, often including a desire to help. Compassion's a noun. Well, it's time to make compassion a verb. Look around you. Look outside of your own world and what's happening. Look for people and families like Leanne's who have to deal with and struggle every day with a difficult circumstance, a family member who's ill. Look for people that need you. You'll find them. Let me pray with you today. Dear Jesus, I want to pray for those who are dealing with illness. Perhaps they've just been diagnosed and they feel afraid or alone. Make your presence very real to them. Pray for healing over their bodies, emotional, mental, health. We pray, God, that you will take charge and that you will be in control. Give us your insight and wisdom to see others and where we can help. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.